Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. The following recording is from a Zoom session of Dharma Dialogues on November 6, 2021. It's called A Gathering of Egos. I invite you to join us for any of the upcoming Zoom sessions held on the first weekend of each month in two different time slots. And as we're coming to the end of another year, perhaps you would consider a tax-deductible donation or any kind of donation. These are helpful to produce the podcast and for my work in general. And as we all know, we've been quite unable to do all the regular things that might generate income. I'd also like to say a huge thank you to those who have donated and to those who send recurring donations. These past 20 months have been for me a deep contemplative time, a time of taking stock about a lot of things, a lot of priorities, a lot of uh, old friendships, people I hadn't thought about in a long time. It was interesting to have so much time unscheduled, kind of like a very long retreat. And I know many of us experienced it like that. And just as in retreat, all kinds of things reveal themselves inside of us. They just float up into the awareness. Ancient memories, things I maybe hadn't thought about since they happened random things. It was in those ways quite beautiful and powerful and important. One of the components of it was an understanding of the importance of authenticity. I really felt that I was able to get into a realness in myself. And I thought a lot about the word contemplation Today, I looked up the Latin root. So it comes from contemplare, which means uh, sort of a direct gazing, a direct gazing. And then templum, the Latin root for temple. The direct gazing into one's own temple. Contemplation is like an, it's an immersion in your own temple. and. That part of this entire phase, though the phase had a lot of hard parts (laughs) and still does, but that part was really valuable. And I feel that that's something that I want to carry into my my life, whatever it is to be. I have chosen that a lot in my life. I have spent quite a lot of time in retreat, but this was of a different order somehow. And especially in this, in this deep understanding of coming to what is most authentic, what is most powerfully authentic. And that has been very freeing. And I feel like I've cleared out a lot of dross. And some of that has come in the form of uh, clearing out relationships. Not that I made any grand stands about it, but some things dropped away. Some, some relationships actually dropped away. Not that there's less love or 
connection in a certain way, honoring, I'd say, but that uh, a recognition that perhaps our paths have, have come to a fork in the road. And I, I feel very at peace with all of that. It's part of this, it, of this commitment to authenticity. So it's, it's been a real clearing, this phase of contemplation. It's been a real clearing. And it's left a lot of space in myself. Beautiful to be with you again. Yeah. Beautiful with you. I, I like the picture of the uh, of contemplation. Um, it is beautiful of just gazing at the temple. And as you said, um, these, this last time, it's been a time to just really, really reset. But I have to admit that, um, yeah, there's been a lot of beautiful things in my temple, but it really was dusty. Yeah. Of just looking yeah. inside and seeing it really needed some house cleaning. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. easy. Not and I easy. Think that's, what, that's what comes with the contemplation. Sometimes yes, indeed. It's not just all peace and love, right? It's, yeah. It's kind of, <laughs> it can be a kind of fierce clearing and cleaning house, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still sweeping a few things under the rug, but it's getting there. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that part of it is that you're sitting with, when you're in that kind of deep, deep reflection, all of the extra and all of the ways that one is twisted a little in compromise starts to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, you know, when we're roaring along in life, galloping along, we can kind of not notice those things, things that are just not quite right, but you, you're so busy, it gets barely noticed way down. They're easier to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. And so when you're, when you're still and in a kind of reverie, you can't avoid it. And you notice that the cost, the energetic cost. So yes, that's why I've emphasized this one component of my experience with it is about authenticity and a kind of wanting to be braver in how I am and who I am and what I say. I fail at that a lot, but, but the desire is there. <laughs> and, um, and, and it's in all things, right? It's, it's across the board. If not now, when? That's right. But I'm finding there's a fine line between this authenticity of, of I, I know that I've put some people off simply by being brave enough to say something. Yeah. And that, that's sometimes a conflict. Yeah. Yeah, I know that is a challenge. I do think it's important to have kindness as a strong motivation whenever one is having to speak something that's difficult and takes bravery, but to really have in the mix kindness. It, yes. just, it just can't be authenticity for its own sake as the, as the top icon in the altar. It has to be um, mixed in with skillful means and general kindness. But sometimes, sometimes things have to be said to clear the air or, or to protect something or someone, and that might even be your own self, that there's really no way around someone maybe takes 
what you've said personally, and you you can't necessarily be responsible for that every time. Or if, for instance, if you have withdrawn from a relationship because you know that there will be certain things that you can't really say without it being too hurtful and that they're just not ready to hear it and all of those things. And that there's you, you realize that you're not at a point where conversation is going to go anywhere. And sometimes when, like I said, the, the paths fork, the paths part, and there's just nothing to be done about it. It's that's, that is the most compassionate way. Sometimes in spiritual circles, they think we all have to be all kumbaya with each other all the time and, and that everyone has to be celebrated in their own way and that you, you maintain the connection. But I actually have not discovered that to necessarily be the highest truth. Mm. If it can be, if, if that is possible with, with people with whom you realize there's, there's now friction, there's not really a meeting of the minds and hearts, if you can find a way to speak certain words or to, you know, even just go on a walk together or have a meal and let it all be bygones, then uh, well and good. But as we all know at this uh, late date in our lives, that some, sometimes you have to just bow to what was and the connection that was and honor it for the history of it. But you you may realize you have no more actual business with this person. And I use that word only in the sense of uh, relating and interacting and doing things together and keeping in close touch, all those things. So, yeah, I, that's been one of the things for me is I, re- I, I had always through my life wanted a sense of tribe and valued a sense of tribe and would often bend over backwards, sometimes at a cost to myself, to maintain, you know, the connections and to keep feeding them, uh, even when it was clear that it was no longer useful for any of us. So yeah, that's part of this authenticity that I'm speaking about, really standing in the truth of, of who you are, and trusting your own kindness to know that I'm doing this, or I'm just being myself, rather. And it may mean that I'm not really in your life in the way that I once was. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So I can uh, recognize what you just said before, but another theme which has been very much in the air for me for the last two years, and uh, I think for many other people, is to living with uncertainty. In a sense, we always... uh, have lived with uncertainty, but this has just become so much more clear now. <laughs> and, uh, and therefore, in one's own mind, you know, letting, letting go of any kind of control and just being open to how things unfold one day at a time. Yes. And, uh, and that can, in, in fact, be very freeing also, I find. Yeah. Yes, it can, yeah. yes. Yeah, that is certainly uh, the huge lesson that we've gotten. And, you know, I've spoken about it on previous calls, just that we in our subculture, the people who are on this call in our subculture, we were used to making 
plans about the future. And we were used to having most of those come to be, not all, but most. Mm. We could kind of get it together and make things happen, as you well know. <laughs> yes. And that's just not, now we see that just is not the case. We really can't, we can make plans, but now we know there's no telling if they're going to come to be. There's, there's, we didn't, we're not playing with the percentages we used to. <laughs> and, um, and that is very freeing. And it, it is closer to the truth of things, actually. Because, I, I mean, I, I, another thing I think we've been confronted with is just how, how spoiled we've been. How <laughs> we wanted something and we would set about getting it. And, you know, whether it's a trip or an object or an event or even just going to the movies. Lots and lots of those things, mm. which we now can't, can't assume. I, I've talked over this time about all kinds of aspects of this. And one of the other aspects that I've been deeply uh, appreciative of is living more like people have had to live over the centuries. And also how many, many people live even before COVID in our own time. So it's like a level of the playing field from the of the privileged to living more as the regular folk. You live in a smaller amount of geographical space and you don't just get every single object you want and you sort of curtail the kind of desire engine that often runs when you're living in, in so much privilege. One of the things about privilege, and I've actually been around a lot of people of privilege over the years, and one of the things about it is just this constant desire program that's running because they can have so much. They can have their next dream. I just saw a picture of Jeff Bezos's personal yacht, which is the size of a cruise ship. Like you can just feel the kind of spinning of more and more and more and more. And a lot of the world never had that option about really much at all. And we've had a taste of, of having to really cut it all back in terms of what it is you're, you're going to desire and go for in a time when you can't easily accomplish getting many of your little desires. So just being so grateful to be able to get food. You know, I keep being slightly bewildered that I can tap a piece of plastic and I get all this food, you know? <laughs> um, you know? So uh, it's been lesson upon lesson upon lesson. It's changed all of us. Having to find out what really matters and coming back to just simplicity. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. And enjoying the space of not having to fill up the mind with desires and having to go get those those things that one wanted there's just a lot more space you know i've been saying i i just spend so much time in my little simple pleasures i just enjoy what my little simple pleasures whether it's making my smoothie or having a cup of coffee or smelling the you know now there's gardenia blooming in my yard you know just all the little tiny things that fill the day because there's plenty of space in me and in and in the circumstance 
I was just thinking and being being sick and and what what I in, enjoy about that is the total letting go. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's absolutely. Do you have COVID right now? I've COVID right now. Yes, yes. There's nothing I can do really, yeah. and and. Uh, and then I see all 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 the stuff that that I usually do because I think I should do. <laughs> so yeah. I I really I really enjoyed the way you were talking today. Yes. So so the, all all these patterns get very clear when when you're there and having to let go totally and, and cancelling this and that and and all the the appointments that are in your diary and. And for every cancellation, it, you feel so relieved. <laughs> <laughs> one, of my, one of my friends has a saying, he says, the only thing better than an invitation is a cancellation. I didn't have to do that. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, I, I've... I've uh, I've been obsessively studying uh, COVID and the vaccines and the whole the whole drama. Um, so one of the things about recovering from COVID is you need to really pay attention to rest. And even when you think you're way better, don't do extra stuff because a lot of people say that they think that's connected to what's called long COVID, where they didn't really fully, fully recover and they were then started running about and then it, it kind of wipes you out on a new level. So really give yourself permission to rest. Take it as your job. <laughs> because it's, it's I, I can imagine once once the energy is coming back, it's tempting to start. Very uh, tempting. Yeah. And that's yeah. where people get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I have uh, opening it's the first time of my life of two exhibitions at the same day. Yeah. And uh, it was a lot of stress in the last weeks. Uh, I, I made two books and um, uh, I always had this situation. I was changing between this um, little bit self-loving, yeah, just feeling good to be. And then to go in this egoic <laughs> behavior of... Uh, the, you artist. Know, the, the artist. The artist. Yes. Uh, with a lot of other egoic uh, companies around me. Mm. Yeah. And mm. it was quite hard yeah, to, mm. to change when I had the time when I was just, just being and happy to be. And then I, I fall. In the other, it was really uh, hurting a lot. Yeah. Well, that can be an ally, that experience. Because it can create a yearning in you that knows that some things may be falling away, like we're saying, in terms of the authenticity, in terms of what feels true and right and whole. And then you can see the contrast when you feel in any kind of compromise. And one of the things I often say, and maybe this is uh, relevant, is I don't really like to go to parties social parties. Now, we really can't do it here at this point in where I am, but I haven't been to anything like that for, gosh, a few years at this point. And I like silent ones. But the reason I don't like to go to the, to the normal social parties is because I'm very sensitive to egos. Mm. And, and it's not even that I'm judging them. It's that it's starting to trigger my own. 
know what that's, I mean? That, yeah, I know very good because that's what I think. I only see all the other ego companies because I am I have it in myself. This is a yeah. problem. Yeah. Uh, when I wouldn't have it, I wouldn't see it probably. And <laughs> it, yeah, well, also, yeah, it start it starts to agitate it. If you're around people who are presenting from that frequency, mm. it's easy to catch and it starts banging on your own ego frequency. And yes. yeah, and, and that's why it's so lovely to seek the company of the wise who are not really that interested in that frequency and who, when you're around them, It's just smooth. Mm. Nobody's presenting anything. Nobody's proving anything. It's just all a, a meeting of hearts. So the fact that you have a reaction to that is actually your own wise stream inside. That I hope work. so. I hope so. But still it hurts because of the, this discrepancy that you feel. And discrepancy, what do you mean? Yeah, between this uh, just being and being uh, peaceful and, and happy without reason mm -hmm. and then losing it again and just like running mad with all the things you have to do with all the other, dealing with all the other uh, egoic companies triggering your own thing. Well, there may be, um, I mean, perhaps this, this experience that you're having is a trigger to think about how you could maintain your work, but be maybe more of a reclusive artist. <laughs> that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to show up in the same ways. I don't know if that's possible or anything, but... It, well, it, well one, one problem I have with this, I try from this being to feel the connection with people, mm -hmm. but the people of, often offer me the separation I want to go away from. And yes. this is one problem. In the artistic work, of course, I, I try to step back, like mm -hmm. I sometimes told you, and just mm -hmm. from try from the deep coming things that not I am doing. They're just coming sure. to me, and I can't, sure. I, I can't do about nothing about that. And this is very good for me and, and I think for the artistic work. And for me, it's more, more important just to do, not this vernissages tomorrow. It's for me more a problem. I think, oh, my, might get terrible, all the people and all the talking and, and these things. Yeah, it's, it's the same. Aren't, like, aren't there, I mean, aren't there historically, or at least in contemporary time, lots of um, great artists who were not really available for chit-chat with a bunch of people. Like that part of maybe their coolness, in fact, is that they're moving from a different place and it requires more of a, a secluded place that they hang out. Is that your understanding? I don't really know enough about the art world, but it seems like I've heard over the years. Well, I think every, everyone has to go uh, a personal way. And, uh... Yes. Yes, yes. Just accept the own reactions on, on the situation you are in. So yeah. uh, often yeah. often there is something, oh, you should be like this or that. And then you say, okay, wait, no, you are like that. And it's okay uh, that way. And uh, then deal with it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of, I heard, one time I heard a story about uh, C. Tombley, I don't know, a painter. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's true. Um, he had a big exhibition, I think, in Munich and uh, in a museum. And he was standing with the people that were standing for the exhibition and talking to them. And later in the exhibition, he wasn't there anymore. He left before. (laughs) 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 I think it was kind of funny just to take part a little bit. But then when the real event started, he was gone away. I don't know because of what reason, too shy or too... Overwhelmed with the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well... There's one one example, <laughs> but I think there are probably many. Yeah, and in this situation, you have to deal with all kinds of uh, uh, fears and uh, all kinds of old things coming up, and you have to deal with them. Mm-hmm. You know, this uh, old um, conditionings of your system. <laughs> no, I, of course. And we all, unless someone is just doesn't have to work or doesn't feel compelled to create for the rest of us you do have to engage with with the world and with people to some degree in one's work but i'm just thinking in terms of i'm looking at you and you're usually very radiant mm-hmm. and i can see that you you've had a few hard days or something i can see that mm-hmm. um, and so I'm just I'm re- responding to what you're saying and also how I'm seeing you right now. Mm. Uh, maybe it's the lighting in your apartment, but I noticed it. And so maybe maybe what you're you're realizing is that having to be in an ego soup with a bunch of big egos and play the part and have your own ego triggered and all of that, maybe there's some way to mitigate how much time you how, how much time you would have to be in a circumstance like that. Yeah. My teacher Punjaji once um, gave a, a test to some of his students. So he said, suppose you've come to, to Lucknow where he was and you've, you know, you're coming for satsang, you're coming and you rent a little apartment and you realize after you've paid the money and you're in the apartment that you've rented an apartment over top of a motorcycle repair shop and all the day long are these loud engine noises running and and so he gave this test out to a few of his students I wasn't there um, but I heard about this what would you do so this one would be talking about a particular you know he'd be doing a mantra and this one would be making friends and loving the sounds of the engine and all of these very spiritual things, right? Everybody was trying to... And what said, just change the apartment or something like that. That's what Punjish said. He said, I would move. (laughs) (laughs) Now, sometimes, sometimes we are in circumstances, and especially people who are in prison, Mm. They're in circumstances where they cannot move, where they actually can't move. And so that's another category. And in that case, you've got to find another way. And I have known a few people who did do time and they did have to find other ways. Um, and and they, several of those people did manage to do that. But for those of us who have choices, sometimes we don't, again, back to the authenticity and to really listening deeply to the parts of yourself that might be making a compromise and 
you're trying to overcome it for some reason with with some other benefit that you think is going to accrue. But after a point, especially as the more still you get, one of the things that you learn in this whole process is paying attention to those discomforting moments. Yes. There's a book called The Gift of Fear. So uh, this guy, Gavin De Becker, he wrote the book years ago. It was a big bestseller. And it was based on how people ignore their, their signals when, when they're in danger. And they yeah. override it with you know, political correctness or spiritual yeah. correctness. They yeah. override it. I should be, no, that shouldn't bother me, this, that. Um, and they often ignore it to their own peril. So he's yeah. someone who, for many years, he was a consultant to kings and presidents and the top-level movie stars because they were often dealing with stalkers. And one of his big things is if you feel, if you have a sense like, you know, the hair in the back of your neck is rising or you're feeling something in your body, his thing is listen to it right away. And I loved that understanding. So this is a slightly similar version of this, which is your body is giving you a message saying, you know, this might not be a fit for me in this particular way of my work mm. and, and to your own statement the best of your work is coming through the peace and the relaxation mm. and the beingness that's the beautiful expression of it so kind of keep that as your highest mm. commitment and um, sometimes maybe sometimes more often you have to say okay you have to find it by your own Yeah. Because sometimes I make the uh, experience that the people that are sometimes very good for me in the situation are not a lot. Because sometimes I seem to be surrounded uh, by uh, all yes. kinds of crazy people. And uh, I go to some uh, spiritual satsang and all over the place are uh, crazy people. It's not going to show that you go to a satsang and all the people are holy and very uh, deep. Yeah. It's not that way. Yeah? No. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. I wish it would be, but it's not my experience. And so it's yeah. not, sometimes I think it's, it's hard to find, but I have this possibility to learn to be with myself in, in, in peace. This is the best possibility yes. I have. Yes, and yes absolutely. And the and most important not... discovery yeah. for me in the last years, to be in, in peace and enjoy with myself. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. And just knowing that and treasuring that, like protecting that yeah. in a way. And, and I don't mean, when I use the word protecting, I don't mean that you're armoring. It's more that you're honoring mm your own peace, that which lights you up and allows you to express beautifully. That's, that's your, that's your offering in the world. Yeah. I, I have that too. Like when I, when I lead a retreat, I don't do interviews during the retreat or anything yeah. like that. My Buddhist teachers used to always do interviews all day long. This is many, many years ago. And they were always drained. They were always exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, they were just, there was nothing much coming out after a while because yeah. They were so wiped out. Mm. And I instinctively knew when I started having retreats 30 years ago, mm. 
I tell everyone there, I'm also attending the retreat. Mm. You know, because mm. I know that part of my job is that I'm bringing my most relaxed and clear and my most immersed sense of beingness mm. to the day and the evening. I'm in full silence as well. Mm. Uh, as, as I see it as part of my actual job there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've told this story many times too. In the 70s, I went to an exhibition at, at the Boston Museum and it was called Zenga and Nanga. And it was, it was 15th century paintings by Japanese masters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was like a world of peace. A monk would be looking at the moon or mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> just beautiful waterfalls and yeah. the classic stuff, you know, just very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were, it was the higher level of the, of the museum and we're coming down the stairs and we're walking through the lower levels. And we came to a, a floor where there was a lot of European medieval art, where it was a lot of beheadings and people were dressed in stuff all the way up to their ears and everyone looked really mad. (laughs) um, But, you know, I I suppose the, the, the talent that it would take to paint those kinds of things, as we, you know, we've all seen that the extraordinary talent was there. Mm. But the vibe wasn't so great. <laughs> we got the feeling so, from the tradition we, we have in us. <laughs> yes, sure, exactly, yeah, yeah. So another part I would say to you of what you're nurturing is the protection of expressing something that is evocative of peace and of beauty. And so to really, to be sitting in the middle of that as you do the art. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. That is my most most important reason to create art, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, sure. It's lovely to see all of you. <laughs> um, I'm sending you greetings from my hotel room in Baden-Baden today. Oh, going Where, to the spa and stuff when you get done oh, with your right, work? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I'm straight there. <laughs> I, I'm just reminded of so many things by all of the conversations today. I visited a friend recently, and I, I just thought about how people have a lot more freedom in how they decorate their apartments when they decorate their bathrooms. People really you know, show a lot of freedom of personality sometimes. Oh. And so I went into this person's bathroom, and there on the wall in the place of honor was a beautiful antique frame and inside was a beautifully mounted card with a background of a field of sunflowers and in bold letters don't postpone joy Mm. Um, (laughs) don't postpone joy because you know Mm. peace and happiness without reason you know do we have to have do we have to have a reason for peace and happiness in our heart. Well, maybe we can have anger and dissatisfaction and frustration without reason, or do we need a reason for those emotions? Of course we do. Sometimes it's just a matter of choice. Mm -hmm. And by just saying, don't postpone joy, it's like joy is a choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
Two days ago, I was in the Musée d'Orsay. We're talking a lot about art today, but I was in the Musée d'Orsay with my nephew, who's 10 years old. <laughs> and if you ever want to experience joy <laughs> and, and authenticity, you go to the Musée d'Orsay with a 10-year-old boy oh. who's discovering breasts, okay? <laughs> with apologies, I say to, to all of you. But he has this fascination. And he ran from sculpture to sculpture of reclining nude, one of this epoch, then of this epoch. And he went from room to room looking for all of the artworks that had his favorite subject of the moment. <laughs> The, the smile, the wonderment, the joy, unguarded, authentic joy, mm. just refreshed my soul in, in, in such a beautiful way. You know, a month ago when I was here, the last time I was here, I was in my complete frustration at the loss of peace and harmony that I had found during the, the period of, of pandemic um, protection, let's say, and then had to go out into the world and be subjected to the harsh um, power rays of all these egos that were, were like strong searchlights. And it brought such a, a dissatisfaction, an instant dissatisfaction, because I had found also, I'm sure like all of you, that without this, this ego, um, strong rays of ego, you can find much greater truth in yourself and peace and happiness without reason. Because you know, I there's, there's, a, there's a there's a Sanskrit word, Satchitananda, and it's basically the truth of the bliss of being, causeless joy as you're talking about. It's yeah. it's beautiful. That's where I want to be. I want to be there. And the world gets in the way. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm very much trying to push all of that away so I can find that little piece of Satchitananda mm -hmm. um, for myself as much as I can. And I long for a time when I can devote myself to my search for the peace or the truth of, the, of being. I think that... As you rest in it, in whatever circumstance, there in your hotel room or anywhere, it makes you more susceptible to having that feeling come over you in the midst of a crowd or in the midst of a difficult situation or sitting on a long journey and you're ready to, for it to be done and you're sitting in a mask. And, and then suddenly it's, it's basically like a habit. Hmm. And you know, it's, a, it's like you're getting an entrainment. The more you kind of sit in, 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 the, in the peaceful moments, in the, in the moments of quiet and rest, the more likely it is to just sneak up on you. One doesn't have to be too heroic in any of this. And there's a phrase we used to say in old spiritual circles, you can't be beyond your evolution. So in other words, you're as you are, and you have these powerful insights along the way. And there's a, there's a deepening, there's a soaking in all of this that just gets stronger. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it never needs to be fully constant, and I wouldn't expect that, certainly not that for me, to really allow yourself. Sometimes it's, you know, being in a crowd and being around a bunch of 
egotistical people who are on a very different frequency. It's we're so sensitive. We pick all that up and it's tiring. It's just tiring. And yet we also know the difference when we're with people who it's so delightful, so smooth that it's enlivening. I worked for 15 years with a certain British conductor who was in a, a true egalitarian in practice. And he said on more than one occasion that the beginning of ego is the end of art. Mm, interesting. And I, I would love it if you could comment on the different poles of authenticity and ego because it seems that the ego, the interposition of ego, is the enemy of authenticity. Well, I mean, sometimes the word ego turns into a bigger boogeyman than it need be, because we all have what one might call ego needs, but people who have really seen the pain and the compromise of that are not as sticky in it. You know, you might notice you might notice your own so-called ego, that is your own sense of personal importance in a given circumstance, whether you're trying to get your opinion to be understood or you're trying to put someone in their place because you can see they're completely wrong or any number of things. You want to impress somebody that you find that you admire. You want to impress them and you find yourself trying hard. All those ways, they're very human. Those are are very human things. But when there's this relationship to the ease of being and then you find yourself feeling an agenda with somebody, no matter what it is, you notice this discomfort. That's the key. Because part of part of the deepening is not just the good feelings of being in your happy place inside, but rather it's noticing when that is being compromised. I love being with people who we're not really doing anything. We're just there's no agenda to impress or prove or do any one-upmanship or be spiritual, <laughs> right? We're just hanging out, just really good hanging out crowd and also happy to talk about these things that are that are the more I like to call them the eternities so in terms of authenticity and ego ego is allowed in the authenticity it it arises and yet you can have a very light relationship with it it's just sprinkled around it's not you know it's not a big solid brick whereas sometimes you know you do meet people and bless their hearts, because it has to be painful. <laughs> and, and that's one of the things you sometimes don't see in these characters with big egos. You may not see the suffering that's driving that, mm-hmm. but it, it is there. That's not comfortable. Having to be a big somebody. I've seen, I've seen so many of those types when they finally let that go, like in a retreat often that'll happen. It's amazing the difference and amazing the difference in their in their face. Many, many, many years ago, I was um, I was in Hawaii and a friend and I went to the island of Lanai, which I'd never really had any interest in. I'd gone to all the other islands, had been on all the other islands a lot, had lived on several 
But I went to the island of Lanai just because I thought, let's go check it out. And I had heard it had been, the whole island had been owned by Dole Pineapple for a hundred years. And they had raised every single thing and grown pineapple there, which they also sprayed a lot. And now Lanai has these two, frankly, in my view, yucky resorts, but they're very, very expensive. But they're, they, they're, I couldn't wait to get out of there. We were supposed to be there several days, and I think we left after a day and a half. <laughs> but anyway, we were staying at one of those resorts. My friend was treating us. And, and Gates actually had his wedding at one of them years and years ago. You had the feeling that everyone there were captains of industry. Everyone, everyone you saw, they were like huge, big somebodies, you know, just vibrationally. And we were walking down to the beach the same day we were there. And this guy is walking up the path toward us. And his face, here he is in this beautiful pathway and he's just been at the water. But his face looked like it was carved in stone. I mean, it, it, it looked so hard and so disconnected. Like, I bet he didn't even see anything he was walking through. And as we passed him, I just had a shiver. I had a chill. Hmm. And then I was flooded with compassion, actually, because I thought, wow, can you imagine being in that head, in that headspace? It looks so uncomfortable, so, so hard, really hard. Hmm. And it was a switch for me in terms of how I sometimes now can see when somebody's presenting in a heavy, heavy ego way. Some part of me is thinking, oh, I wonder what the wound is. How far back does that go? Three years old, two years old, five years old. Dad said something or constantly hassled him. Where is that wound growing from that now this armoring and this constant presentation and this, you know, we can see it in so many of the faces of politicians. You know, most of them do not look like happy campers. And, you know, it's power and and power over things we have you know we have our own mild mild versions of that and we can't help it we have some degree of of conditioning really and it's probably even somewhat biological self-preservation and things like that that does have a kind of me first now and again that can rise up but that's not how we lead because we value connectedness and we value the quiet parts of life, the quietness of being. So I'd say that with the authenticity piece, the, the ego can be interwoven with it, but with very light thread. This has been In the Deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineingram.com where you can also book a private phone session and view upcoming events, such as our monthly Zoom sessions. I want to deeply thank our donors for your support and encourage our other regular listeners to consider making either a one-time or a recurring donation. We would also be grateful for a review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you're listening. Till next time. <laughs>